All right, Proverbs chapter 30. Uh, begin to read with me in verse 24. Very familiar scripture. And the Bible says, uh, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet go they forth all of them by bands. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. You can be seated this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. And uh, Lord, thank you for the choir singing. I pray that it has uplifted your name and uh, Lord brought glory and honor to you. And uh, we, we didn't sing to hear ourselves sing. We sung to sing to you and to sing about you. And I pray this morning you're honored in it. Lord, it's come to preach an hour now and we want the same thing. We want you to be honored in it uh, by the preaching. I pray that if there's somebody here lost that uh, you would begin to deal with their heart if you've not already done that. I pray that you would encourage them to get saved and come to know you as their personal Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd touch us and know us afresh for just a little while. Uh, to help us preach because Lord we sure can't do it on our own uh, Lord that when we leave out of here that we'll not only be different than what we come in but uh, we'll be better than what we come in this morning and I pray you'd help strengthen the one that needs strength encourage the one that needs it help us while we preach and save that sinner's nearest tale for all these things in Jesus name amen and amen uh, in this Proverbs, the writer tells us there are four things uh, that are little, but they are exceeding wise. And he talks about the ants, how that uh, they're a people strong, are not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Uh, they prepare when they have time, when or they take time. Uh, when harvest is there, they uh, strike when the iron's hot, if I could say it that way. There's some forethought uh, uh, into them doing something. But notice that they're not strong, but yet they get the job done. And the conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rock. Talking about those rabbits there, if I could say that. I uh, said they're feeble, they cannot defend themselves. Uh, they can't help themselves, but yet they have found a place... Uh, and that to hide when they need to. That's the same thing about us today. Uh, there's, there's a lot of times we can't help ourselves. Or uh, let, let me say this. We, we cannot fight without God's help today. I'm thankful today that I showed them young people down there in class today, Ephesians 6, uh, uh, talking about the whole armor of God. God has gave us uh, uh, what we need to be able to fight. And we just need to find and be hid in him. You know, he had Moses uh, in the cliff of the rock. Then he talks about the locusts, uh, uh, how they have no king, but yet they work together uh, uh, in bands to get done what they need uh, to get done. In other words, they're able to work together uh, and get it done. Would to God that the church uh, would work together sometimes. Amen. I mean the brethren. I'm telling you, sometimes uh, we ain't fighting the world. We're fighting one another. Uh, uh, and that's amazing to me that uh, we'd fight one another and that in the work of God uh, 
Uh, but then he talks about uh, uh, the spider. Uh, how that she takes hold with her hands. Uh, in other words, she does the work that needs to be done. Uh, uh, she travels the miles that needs to be traveled. Uh, spends what she needs to spend uh, uh, to get her web made. And then it said, and she's in king's palaces. She just shows up. I guarantee you, somebody just probably got spiders in your house today. I remember I was sitting in my easy chair there at the house one day, I, uh, and 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 uh, I've got I've got floaters in both my eyes, and so if I see things on the wall and on the floor, uh, it's no big deal to me, uh, because I'll see them over here, but when I turn to look, uh, they're not there, and so I just don't pay much mind to that stuff anymore. But there was one day that I seen a floater move over here on the floor, and I turned to look, and it wasn't a it wasn't a floater. Uh, it was a spider that had legs on it about that big around in my house. In my house. And you tell me, Kelly's laying on the couch. And I said, now, now don't get excited, but we've got a problem. And I mean, at least I could see it, you know, brother. At least I knew where it was. And it was under the end table. And she got up and walked all the way around that way. And boy, when she seen it, she was ready for me to kill it. Amen. And, and that's better than a snake. I'll tell you that right now. I was glad to see that spider because I, I could find a house shoe and kill that spider. And I got it killed, amen. But them things will sneak in on you if you ain't careful. And so right here said, notice where they were. She made it into king's palaces in places that you wouldn't even imagine that they could get. But I want you to look at what he said in verse 24. There be four which are little, but they are exceeding wise. And I want to preach having a thought this morning uh, on how God uses little things. A lot of times in the ministry and in the work of God and God working in our life, we want to do big things. And there's nothing wrong with aspiring in that to do big things uh, as long as it is for the honor and the glory of God. And I talk about preachers and pastors a lot because that's what I know. Uh, uh, but if all a pastor wants is a big church, uh, uh, for the fact of having a big church, uh, uh, then it's the wrong idea this morning. Uh, listen, I'll be honest with you. A uh, little church becomes a big church when the church goes out uh, and begins to win people uh, and that to Christ. Amen. Hey, listen, I, I want folk to come in here because I, I, we're preaching and teaching the right doctrine I, and they're looking sound doctrine, amen, Bible doctrine, I, and they're looking for something I, and need some help, amen. It ain't everybody's church you can go into anymore I, and find the right Bible doctrine I, I, in it, amen. I'm not picking on them, I'm just telling you the truth this morning. But what, what, what happens uh, a lot of times uh, uh, is men and women want to be great uh, uh, for the fact of being great. Take your Bible uh, uh, and go to the book uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now go with me and we'll get started here in a minute. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me lay out some things here. You, let, let me tell you what God does. God takes humble men and women that want to serve Him and then He'll make great men and women out of them. It ain't the other way around. It ain't that he takes great men and women. I, I very rarely does he do that. But look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, look in verse 26. He said, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, uh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now notice what he said, not many. Not many, not many. 
Uh, he, he rarely calls somebody uh, that is already great in this world uh, to do his work and to do his bidding. Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, and here's why, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know why? You know why uh, that he likes to use little things? Uh, uh, why he uses base things? Uh, why he uses lowly things? Uh, uh, so that he can get the glory out of our lives. Now I preached on that last Sunday night uh, on letting God have the glory uh, in your life. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, uh, if you want to be used of God, uh, uh, it's simply like this. Uh, he said in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, uh, the latter part of verse 5, uh, he said, God resisteth the proud uh, and giveth grace unto the humble. Uh, and then in verse 6, he said, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you uh, in due time. Uh, God loves, number one, to use little people. I don't mean short people, but thank God I've been short all my life. I remember 22 and a half years ago when I come down here to pastor, uh, uh, when I come down here to Canada a long time ago, uh, uh, Brother Bud Moses said, uh, I told them they needed to get that sawed off preacher back down here. Amen. I come in and he said, you ain't as sawed off as I thought you was. I was a little taller, I reckon. But who did he use? To feed the 5,000. Who do you use over there? In John chapter 6, the Bible said, Here stands Andrew, uh, and that talking to the Lord, uh, after I believe it was Philip said, We've got 200 pennyworth of bread or money. Uh, and he said, We can't buy enough bread. Uh, but who did he use to feed the 5,000? He said there was what? There is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fishes. Uh, but then he said this, But what are they among so many? He, he first of all used a lad, a, a little boy, a young man uh, uh, that had something to give to God. Wasn't a whole lot. He said, what is it among so many? Uh, you know what we look, we say, well, he, he brought two loaves, uh, five loaves and two fishes. Is that right? I get them confused every time. Five loaves and two fishes uh, uh, and little fishes, I believe the Bible said. And you look at it and you can hold all this stuff uh, uh, in your hands and in your arms uh, uh, and here they stand uh, and there's 5,000 men plus the women and the children out there and here they stand and they look at that uh, uh, and he said, oh, well, what are they among so many? You ever look at that, what you might have to offer to God? You ever think that way about what you might have to offer? You look at somebody else's life and shame on you for this. Uh, if you do, and say, boy, they ain't got a lot to offer to God. Uh, they ain't doing much for the Lord. Hey, they're probably doing more than me and you both put together sometimes. And he brings what he has. You remember that widow, you remember that widow there that cast in the two mites uh, uh, there at the treasury and Jesus said she gave more uh, uh, than all of them gave because they gave out of her abundance uh, and she gave out of her want. He could do more with them two mites that she gave uh, uh, than what mean you could do with all the money in the world. But it was a lad that gave. We wouldn't think much of that, would we? Wouldn't think much. But not only did he give, not only was he a lad which I don't know what he knew about serving God, but he had five loaves and two fishes. 
I don't know how all that story went down in John chapter 6. I don't know uh, how he come about to uh, being able to give what he had. I don't know if, if they seen it and asked him or I believe that he volunteered it. That's just what I think. I believe he said, here's what I got. I, I take it and use it. Take it and use it. You know, sometimes we, we look to God and say, boy, if I had, Lord, I'd give you this. Or if I could do this, I'd give you that. Well, what do you have? What can you serve God with? Why ain't you letting Him use that? You see? You see, we, we, may, we may not be able to feed the 5,000 plus the women and the children, uh, uh, but we may be able to give what we do have, which is very little, and let God bless it. And then you might be amazed at what happens. Because He stood there, uh, uh, and the Bible said in John, He gave thanks for it. Uh, in another gospel, He blessed it. Uh, and then He began to multiply it. Uh, and He began to divide it up and give it out. Uh, uh, and that to those that were there to eat uh, uh, till they all had enough. You remember what Andrew said? You know, Philip and Andrew, they said, you know, what is this among so much? And one of them said, you know, if we just give them 200 penny worth. Uh, but you know what? You know what Jesus done? Uh, he took those five loaves and two fishes uh, and blessed it and used it till they were all full. Uh, uh, and then he took up 12 basketfuls. Y'all know that story. The Lord blessed it and done something with it. And who got the glory out of it? He did. Why? Because somebody little gave something little. Am I telling you today that if you can give big, not to give big? I'm telling you if you can give big, give big. But what I'm trying to get you to see this morning, I, I, sometimes you can't give big, I, I, but you give what God has blessed you with I, and that He's able to take and use. Little people. He used that little lad. Who did he kill Goliath with? Who killed the giant? Well, it wasn't another giant, was it? It wasn't the army. It wasn't Israel's army. It wasn't King Saul. Hey, if you go back and you look at 1 Samuel 17, they're all over there hiding from the giant when he would come out morning and evening. I almost believe that that was probably at the time at the morning and the evening sacrifice. And he would come out and he would rail on God and he would cuss God and he would cuss the armies of God. Y'all know the story. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm going to preach anyway. Amen. What did God do? Well, he had David down there, didn't he? David, you know, if, if you look and at the end of 1 Samuel 17, when, when King Saul saw what happened I, and asked about David, he said, whose stripling is this? You know what stripling means? A lad or a young man. David wasn't big in the army. He wasn't even part of the army. But he come down there. You know why he come down there? Take your Bible and go to the book of 1 Samuel 17. Look with me in 1 Samuel 17 this morning. I want to show you something. 1 Samuel 17. And look in uh, verse uh, 14. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 14. And the Bible said, And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. 
And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. So now David goes down. He's keeping his father's sheep but David goes down to the battle because his dad told him to go. He said, I need you to take this. I need you to do this and go see your brothers and find out how they're doing. So after he gets down there and he sees what's going on and, and, and they're telling David about what King Saul has said about how that, you know, if you can kill Goliath and, and do this, I, he said, I'll, I'll give you uh, my daughter, make you, make you a house free in Israel. I, I, and I believe he was going to give him off his daughter to him to marry. And in verse 28, the Bible said, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. Now David is standing here conversing with the men trying to figure out what's going on. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Now I don't know how many sheep was down in the wilderness, but I can tell you this, uh, he was trying to jab at his brother. He was trying to make fun of his brother for him being a shepherd uh, and just had a few sheep uh, and that to take care of. He's one pastor. Was it you, Brother Marvin, telling me this? It might not have been you. I can't remember. He's up in West Virginia. He's up in the mountains up there. He's pastoring a church that's probably got 10 or 15 people in it. Probably ain't going to grow no more. I mean, West Virginia's dying, if I can say that. And he's up in the mountains. But here's what he said. These people need a shepherd. They need a pastor. And I'll be here until they all die off. And if nobody shows up, we'll shut her down. Then people need a pastor. Them few sheep need a pastor. Now that would be that would be a sad outlook uh, uh, on church. I understand that, but I believe that he knew what his job was, and that was the pastor of them people. And so Eliab he asked his brother, his little brother. You got to remember Eliab's the oldest. You remember it just wasn't a chapter ago that Samuel shows up and is going to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. Jesse struts Eliab out first and Samuel looks and says, no, that ain't him. Man, that had to be heartbreaking. That, that, had, that had to be so hard to take. But then to sit there and watch him go through brother after brother after brother after brother after brother and then he says, it ain't none of them. And, and Samuel asked Jesse and said, you got any more sons? He said, yeah, we got one more, the youngest. He's out in the field tending sheep. Ain't that amazing? He was working, wasn't he? Doing what he was supposed to be doing. You remember where Elijah found Elisha at? Remember where he found him at? He was plowing with a yoke of oxen and he with the twelve. Found him serving, didn't he? Found him working. You want to do something for God? Then get to serving. Get to work. And I've, to, I've told you all this a thousand times. I believe that I'm right here in this pulpit this morning simply because of some work that I was doing, some service that I was doing prior to coming here. I believe that radio work, which we still do, I believe that nursing home work that my pastor, and like I say, my pastor really didn't ask me. He said, I want you to take this over. <laughs> so I took it over. Amen. 
and I went and preached every Sunday and was faithful uh, to go. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll become faithful in the little things, there's no telling what God's liable to allow you to do. But here David was. He was out tending to his father's sheep. And, and, and imagine, imagine Eliab's, uh, I, I mean his disdain or his anger, ever how you want to look at it. And I don't know, I know that I'm preaching between the lines, but I know right here when David showed up down there, he knows he's been anointed king over Israel at this point. He knows that. David knows that. And Eliab knows that. And he's taken a shot at David. He said, why came a step down hither and with whom? As I left those few sheep. I know thy pride and honest of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. He said, I know why you come. He said, you just come down here to watch us fight. No, that ain't why he come. I read you why he's come. His daddy sent him down there. He would still be tending sheep if his daddy hadn't sent him down there. He'd still be doing what he wanted him to do. But boy, they ought to be thankful that David showed up. Because ain't none of them else wanting to go fight that Philistine. I thought about this while I was looking over this message. I, I, I thought about David's three oldest brothers that were fighting with King Saul. They ain't none of them volunteering to go fight the giant. I wonder if they had ever faced a bear and a lion. You know, you go back and you read about David here in just a minute, you'll find out when he told King Saul, he told King Saul, he said, I'll go fight. He said, I'll go fight uh, that, that, that uncircumcised Philistine. And King Saul says, you can't go fight. I said, he, he's, he says, you're just a youth and he's been a man of war from his youth. I'm talking about God uses little people. Here stands a little shepherd boy that, that knows nothing more than fighting a bear and a lion. And I thought about his brothers. Reckon they ever fought a bear and a lion? I'm going to say no. Because, you know, David was not afraid to go face Goliath because he had faced that bear and that lion. And these boys are hiding just like the rest of them. But here David is. Here David is. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight. Now you go through and Saul tried to put armor on him. said, I've not proved them and all those things. So he went and he got what he knew would work. Boy, I bet that was a sight to see, wasn't it? You know what we do sometimes? We forget what will work. We, we forget that Bible preaching works. We forget that Bible singing works. Scriptural singing works. I preached that not too long ago. There's a reason I am what I am. The way I do things is because I know that it works. I've proved them. I know it works. I know Bible preaching gets folks saved. I know Bible preaching helps folk. I know God comes by when we honor Him with our singing sometimes. I mean, is He not ever squoze? Is that a word? Squoze on your heart while we were singing? He has mine. Well, somebody began to brag on God and testify, don't that do something inside you? I mean, this book does something for me, friend. Hear what God's done for other folk. I, I mean, I love to hear them talk about when they got saved and how they got saved. I, I, I've got a dear friend of mine. I, listen, you, you get him talking about the Lord. I, and man, he was just rough when he got saved. I, I mean, he was just a drug addict making drugs. I, and when he, man, you get him talking about getting saved. I, and it ain't too long that he'll stand there and he'll just begin to cry and tell you about what God done for him. He remembers where God found him at. But would God mean you'd remember where God found us at? 
You say, I was just young and in church. I understand that. But he still saved you from the same hell and from the same penalty that he saved my friend out of and saved me from. I don't know how we got there, but it's good. Amen. David was going to fight because he knew God was on his side. He told him in verse 45, 1 Samuel 17, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He didn't say that they'd know that they'd know that I could win, that they know that we, we are somebody, uh, that, that they'll see how big Israel is, uh, uh, and, and, and you'll never you'll never defy us again. That ain't what he said. He said this is going to happen so that the whole earth will know uh, there's a God in heaven. He likes to take small people and do great big things with them so that the world will know there's a God in heaven. You can go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Let me look at this real quick. 1 Kings 17. I wasn't going to spend a lot of time with this, but you find when Elijah leaves the brook Cherith, and in 1 Kings 17, you get to verse 9. Let me go back to verse 7. He's been, he, he said it ain't going to rain. It ain't going to rain because sin. In verse 7, and God sent him down by the brook Cherith, fed him with ravens. Fed him with ravens the morning and the evening. They'd come by and drop off some meat and some bread. Well, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, DoorDash ain't got nothing on the Lord. Dropped it right off. And it came to pass, verse 7, after a while, that you'll preach that, won't you, brother? Amen. Uh, he'll, he'll make a message out of that. I know he will. And it came to pass, after a while, that the brook dried up, verse 7, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. A widow woman. A widow woman. Keep paying attention. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. He was asking for a lot right there. Been a drought, man. The brook church done dried up. He's wanting something to drink. That's a big deal. And she, and as she was going to fetch it, so there was some water. He called unto her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. If I'd been Elijah... I'm talking about old Mark here. I looked up to heaven and said, God, what have you got me doing here? This woman has nothing. And you said that you've commanded a widow woman up here to sustain me. But notice what Elijah said, verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou said, but make me a cake there, uh, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord. 
which he spake by Elijah. God took a widow woman who was simply willing to obey God. You know what she done? He said, you go make me a cake first. That's a big deal also. All they had was enough for her and her son. They were going to make a cake. They were going to eat it. And then they were going to sit down and die because there wasn't nothing else left. And you know what Elijah said? You make my cake first. Boy, that's, that's a big deal. And, and he said, when she said, I ain't got enough to make. He said, you just go and do. Don't fear. Just go and do what I told you. Sometimes we worry about what God wants us to do because we ain't got enough. Just go and do what he said to do. He'll handle the rest. I mean, what, Brother, Brother Larry, I, I'm, I'm not saying don't pray about it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm making sure what spirits you're going to do it in. I understand all those things. Make sure who's telling you to do what. I understand that. There obviously was some fear in her life because... Elijah said, fear not, and do as thou hast said, but make me there of a little cake first, and bring it to me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. You, you, put, you put me first. Well, I'm telling you, when we'll learn to put God first, you notice what happened right here. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil. Well, if he told me that, I'd have went and done it. Yeah, but how'd she know that? How'd she know what was going to happen? How'd she know that he just wasn't hungry and wanted something to eat and tell her whatever? But she went and done what she's supposed to do. And you know what? It took care of her and her son and Elijah till God sent some rain. You go on over there and you'll find that, that her son fell sick and died. I often wonder sometimes, or I wonder sometimes, you know, if, if she would have just let Elijah went on and, and said, I, I, can't, I can't help you, I can't do anything for you. I know there'd have been another widow woman out there to take care of him. I, uh, but, but she would have never got to see God move like she saw him move. Because Elijah would have went somewhere else. They would have just died. Sometimes we miss seeing God move because uh, we, don't, we don't do what God wants us to do. I talked to a boy this past Friday. I, I, I was talk, I, I just, just a carrying on conversation with him. And while I stood there and talked to him, the Lord just kept nudging at my heart. You need to talk to him about me. You need to talk to him about me. Okay, okay. So the time we was talking, I finally got around in the conversation. I said, have, I, I said, have I ever talked to you about being saved? About knowing the Lord as your Savior? And he says, you, you've not really talked to me about it. I said, well, have you been saved? And, he's, and he stood straight up. And he said, no, I've not been. And so, boy, you're talking about getting to share the gospel with him. I stood right there and shared the gospel and what it meant to be saved and what Jesus had done for him and, and couldn't get him to get saved. I said, do you want to get saved? Well, I will eventually. I said, well, your eventuallys are going to run out. And that's the truth of the matter. If you're unsaved, your eventuallys are going to run out. I'd be a little concerned about what's taking place over in Israel if I was you, if I wasn't saved. If you want to know God's time clock, you pay attention to that little piece of ground over there. No, you ain't really got to worry about what's going on around here. You pay attention to what's going on over there. And I'll let you in on something. But he used that widow woman to sustain Elijah in a famine. Judges chapter 6. Who did he take? By the way, I'm just showing you examples of how God uses little people. 
Judges chapter 6, he used who to fight a battle with 300? Remember, he used Gideon, didn't he? Y'all know I love the story of Gideon. I love to preach on Gideon. I love to preach over in chapter 8 where it talks about that uh, they were faint. After the battle started and they had them on the run, uh, the Bible said that they were faint, uh, uh, yet pursuing. I love to preach on that. A lot of people get faint and they quit. A lot of people get tired in the battle and they give up. But yet Gideon's men, they were faint, they were hungry, they were tired, but yet they were still pursuing after what they were pursuing after. But you go to Judges chapter 6, and they're hiding from the enemy over here, from the Midianites. In verse 12, the Lord calls him a mighty man of valor. And you get over to verse uh, he, verse 14 he said I've sent thee but then Gideon makes an argument right here uh, and, and he says oh my Lord wherewithal shall I save Israel behold my family is poor in Manasseh for I am the least in my father's house I would say that was true you know it's like, it's like Moses he talked about his tongue he talked about I'm not I, heretofore I'm not an eloquent speaker he said heretofore who's going to say heretofore if they ain't an eloquent speaker and God said, who's made your mouth? Have I not made thy mouth? That's what he told Moses over there. And by the way, I'm getting ahead of myself. Where did he find Moses at? He found him on the backside of the desert over there feeding his, feeding his father-in-law's sheep, didn't he? He didn't call Moses out to deliver the children of Israel when he came out of Pharaoh's house. He called him out when he was on the backside of the desert being a shepherd. That's where he found him at. So God chose Gideon. God chose Gideon. Gideon didn't think he could do it. God said in verse 14, Have I not sent thee? In verse 16, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And then God says, Go. So he goes. Make a long story short. He goes. He's got an army. He's got 32,000 men. Uh, by the time he gets done, by the time God gets done whittling them down, he gets down to 300 men. And we talk about all how God done that, but He done that. And I really believe that God done that for a reason. I believe He done that because He did not want Israel uh, and that to vaunt themselves. If you go back to verse 2 of chapter 7, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands as Israel vaunt themselves against thee, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. God likes to use little things so that me and you will realize what God can do. I'm telling you, God likes to take little people and make great people out of them in His service for Him. I can take you to Wisconsin and show you a church right now that a, dairy, that a dairy farmer started up there in Wisconsin, an independent Baptist church, and they're running over 400 people now. Just a dairy farmer, he called off the farm, made a preacher out of him, made a pastor out of him. You know where he found D.L. Moody at? You know where God found D.L. Moody at? Working in a shoe shop. Where he found D.L. Moody at? Just little people can do something big for the Lord. How did God birth the Lord Jesus Christ into this world? Who did He choose to get Jesus here? He chose Mary, didn't He? 
She was married. She wasn't elite. She wasn't fashionable. She wasn't rich. She wasn't, she wasn't of the religious crowd, if I can say it that way. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll go back to Luke chapter 1, let me go over there. If you'll go over to Luke chapter 1, after uh, she's been told what has happened to her, what, what, that God has chose her. I, I'm going to tell you, God chose her because she loved God. I have no doubt of that. You look in, verse, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, she's standing here talking to Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, by the way, where did he find John the Baptist at? Out in the desert. With a leathern girdle, eating locusts and wild honey. Did I get that right? My wife says you say wild honey and locusts sometimes. Or wild locust and honey. I can't remember. Where did he find him at? And then took him and used him. I'm just saying... God uses little things and little people for His service. Look in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 46. She's talking to Elizabeth. She's come in. Uh, her and Elizabeth has uh, conversed. I uh, talked about that she's with child in her old age, you know, with John the Baptist. Uh, uh, and in verse 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Well, that's a good way to start out some praise, ain't it? And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm, and he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. Hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich is sent away. Uh, sent empty away he hath hoping his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever she just praised the Lord she gave glory and honor to the Lord God takes little people and does great big things with them he called fishermen and tax collectors a ragtag group over there and made disciples out of them Imagine what he can do for you. Imagine what he can do in the work that you're doing for him that you think is so little. I still remember those ladies as I was growing up that taught my Sunday school class. And sometimes, I, as I was looking over this message last night, I thought about that sometimes it was just me and one other person sitting in that Sunday school class and we'd sit across from each other. And, and I remember our teacher sitting at the head of the table and, and I'm thinking, man, they probably didn't know what was ever going to become of me. Just a rowdy boy, you know. You never know, teachers, who's sitting in that Sunday school class no matter how big or how little it is, and what God is going to do with them. Don't lose sight. Don't, don't, I know you want a bigger Sunday school. I get that. I understand that. I appreciate that. I do. It's like one fellow told me one time, you, you know, we say, well, I, 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 you know, I just, we're two or three together, and I'm glad that the Lord shows up. Amen. I am. 
Well, man, it's a whole lot easier to have church when you got people. I'm not arguing that point. I'm not arguing it at all. It's good to have choir singing. I, I agree. I remember the days when we didn't. Amen. It takes people. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, is we just keep on doing what we're supposed to be doing and let God do His work. We do what we can in serving Him and let Him do what we can't do. Don't let somebody discourage you in the fact that it don't seem like a big work that you're doing for the Lord. Eliab tried to discourage his brother down there, David. Tried his best to discourage him and poke fun at him. I'm going to tell you, the devil will do that. He'll poke fun at you. He'll try to discourage you in the work that you're doing. It probably ain't getting nothing done. It ain't worth it. That handful, those few, they're worth every bit of it. Remember my pastor used to say this and it's proved to be very true. He'd tell us preachers, you need to go somewhere and preach where you don't see no fruit. Like the nursing home. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. You don't, you, don't, you don't always see the fruit at the nursing home. I mean they're sitting there with their eyes shut sometimes. Like I was telling you about that fellow that time. That I, I wouldn't have thought that he even knew what was going on. And when I got to that chorus, he belted out the repeat part over. You just don't know. We just do what we're supposed to do and go on. No matter how little it seems, God can do something with it. Just, I want to encourage you to keep on doing what you're supposed to be doing. No matter how little that seems to spy our heads this morning if we would.